What I want to do is I want to lift up a word for you that helps us potentially see Jesus in a time, in the season, when we can maybe move beyond him and not actually see him. And so, in order to do that, let me introduce you to my family. Again, uh, my name is Marty, and my wife, Jenny, and I have been married for 21 years. Uh, she just recently celebrated her birthday. She's always 39, I guess. That's what she tells people. Um, my son, Toby, uh, he is a senior in high school, and he's getting ready to choose a college that is 12 hours away. And here's what you have to understand. Like, I mean, it's just me and him. Like, that. I mean, like, my wife's my best friend, and that's great and everything. But, like, he's who I hang out with. He's a tennis player. And, 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 and so um, I'm, I'm going through all of this reminiscing of all of, like, the little kid moments of Toby. And, the, the, you know, and I remember when uh, one time he misused his words. He talked back to his mother, at which point he found soap in his mouth. Later that evening, he said, oh, Mom, can you buy better tasting soap? The stuff we have doesn't taste great. I love it. I love it. It's just... That's how he thought. That, that wasn't last week. That was a long time ago. My daughter on my right up there, your left, uh, that is Lydia. And uh, Lydia is recently turned 16. She has her driver's license. She works at McDonald's, which I don't know if you know this, but McDonald's is advertising. One of six of us have worked at McDonald's. Is that true? In my family, it is. One of six of us has worked at McDonald's. Um, and so uh, this morning, my son gets up to go to production at the church that uh, uh, I'm a part of, and I get a text from my wife saying that he came back inside and said that Lydia's car was still running from the night before. She came home from work, got out, and went to bed, and it just ran all night. There it is. That's, that's, our, that's our story there. So there's Blythe, Elizabeth on the right, and then Sophie over here, and I got to tell you, it has been a dream to be a part of their lives. And uh, what I want to do today is I want to give you a message called In the Middle. Um, I, I believe that there is something powerful about the middle that we oftentimes miss. And full transparency, I have an affinity to the word middle because I am a middle child. Any middle children out there? Yes, yes. Three of us have been persecuted our whole lives by the older and by the younger. The middle child, I don't know if you know this, but we have it the worst. We do. We never had mom and dad by ourselves. Never had them alone. This is, this is the perfect picture to describe what it's like to be a middle child. Do you see that face? The moment he realized he's now in the middle. Being in the middle is such a tricky place to be because you see your older sibling do something you try and you're not old enough. But then years later, your younger siblings do it far before you ever were allowed to do it. And well, we just quit caring after that point, right? You all know that. When you're in a disagreement, we'll just call it what it is, sibling fight, all out brawl, somehow the wordsmith and mind of the older is able to make it always your fault. But when it is the younger's fault, it does not matter because you are older and you know better. Do you know how you know you're in trouble? It's the only reason you have a middle name. My name is Martin James Schmidt. And the only time I heard Martin James Schmidt was when I was in trouble. Martin James Schmidt, come here. Martin James, Martin. To which now as a parent, I see this as a greatly missed opportunity. Think how I could have done this. Toby, grounded for a week, Schmidt. Because it's only going to be used when he's in trouble. Lydia, no phone for the rest of the day. Schmidt, like there was an option to leverage the middle name to just say what is going to be said anyways. And here I am, I'm in this spot where 
I, I want you to grasp a, a, a few points about the middle. And the first one is this, that the middle matters. That the middle matters. I think for many of us, we are in the middle of something. Maybe for some of you, you're in middle school. Um, maybe for some of you, you're in the middle of a move. Maybe you're in the middle of a, a hard job transition. Maybe you're in the middle of a financial reality. For our family right now, we're in the middle of taking care of my in-laws. My father has recently returned home after 10 weeks in the hospital battling cancer, doing radiation and chemo, and here we are in the middle of five feedings through a tube a day. I don't know what you're in the middle of. Maybe it's your own health reality. Maybe you're in the middle of a pregnancy. Maybe you're a parent and you have toddlers and all of the years just are mush right now. And here's my guess, that you are in the middle of something. And if you aren't careful, you can miss what God wants to do in this season because you're looking back at what used to be or you're looking ahead at what could be and all of what is isn't being realized. Today, I want to lift up your todays. It's not bemoaning where you've been or even like, oh, longing for what it was. And it's not, it, 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 those still matter, but I wonder if they've mattered to the scale at which now you're missing out where you are. Uh, Philippians is a letter written to people who they had a start in their journey of walking with God and there is a destination down the road, but they're in the middle. And so Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. You were here, but there's more, and it needs to keep going. The knowledge and the understanding right here in this season, in this time. Could it be activated? It's because there's, there's more ahead that you aren't maybe prepared for, and what you deposit in you here at this season could actually serve you great purpose down the road. But if you miss today, it won't be there to draw from. Passage goes on and says, For I want you to understand what really, what really matters. So that you can live a pure life, blameless, until Jesus comes back. I don't want you to miss the growing and the understanding of right here that you might end up missing what could have been necessary down there. A little bit of my story. One of my daughters has struggled with mental health for years. Things were done that never should have been done. And it's caused her to go through great hardship. And there's been a season where she was not home for over one year. And it crushed us. My wife and I, in the middle of this journey, we met with our overseers. A couple from, um, that's just blessed us, and he's a pastor. And it was interesting. As he was talking to us, you know, we'd say, we're, we're so sad. We're deeply grieving. But we still have faith. We don't see it, but we know God's working. We're conscious that, that he's going to work all things out because that's, the, but like, I mean, we know it, we don't see it, but we're, we're, we're leaning in and we're, we're, you know, you got this challenge that could cause some to like fall apart, but we've started to cling together and cling to the Lord. And, and my, my overseer, he just said, when a crisis comes, you are only left with the ability to draw from the reserves you already have. You cannot flip a switch and turn on new things that you never put in in the first place. Let's think about this. 
I don't know if you're in a crisis, but here's the good news from the pastor. I'm guessing a challenge is coming sometime soon. And when it comes, if it's at a high severity, you do not have a button to push to activate what's not already in you. You can only draw from where you have already deposited things in you. And he said, I'm so grateful you have deep wells. Today, the gathering, I'm praying that you might have a deep well to draw from, which means you need to take care of the middle. So one of the best things I've learned to do in that is I need to be in the scriptures. I don't know about you, but there's this app on my phone called YouVersion, Bible app sometimes, and it's got this verse of the day. Maybe, maybe for you, that is your starting place. But for others of you, I want to just kind of, you might say, I don't understand it. But you can keep growing. I didn't understand my wife, but I kept pursuing. And I'm just telling you, it's a relationship that you can have. And I'm telling you, if you can create consistent habits, patterns of prayer, of scripture, you don't even realize what's happening, but it's refining the inside of you. And so there's, there's this moment right now where the middle matters and many of us, we might be missing it because we're looking back or we're looking forward and we're not seeing. Today is the day to get ready. And that's my heart for you. Middle matters. Early, earlier in Philippians, it says, guess what? I'm certain that God who began the good work in you is going to carry it out into completion and he's going to finish it on the day when Christ comes back. So where are we? We're in the middle. Waiting is the second thought. So the middle matters. The second one is the middle is waiting. Have you realized how painful it is to wait in our society today? I mean, we have been cursed with the gift of Amazon, right? It's beautiful that it comes so quickly, but it has completely evaporated any sense of self-control and wait. The idea that we can watch a TV show on an instant, not just a show, but then the second show and the third show, and, the, and we can, if you're my age or older, you used to have to wait every single Thursday at the same hour, be on the couch. Commercial breaks is when you went to the bathroom. There was no pausing. It was just, you had to be there. But now, it's like, oh, I'll just watch it all next week. You know, no big whoop. There's, there, 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 there's something about waiting that has been lost, but what I have found when I have searched through Scripture is that waiting is a crucial element to the refining of our walk with Christ. I mean, you go back to the Adam and uh, Eve, and they were told that a promised one is going to come. And they waited and they waited. Abraham was told, you will have a son. <laughs> Years go by. And what often can happen is that when we're in the season of waiting, we get a little uncomfortable, a little impatient. And so we will manufacture things to arrive at a destination that we feel God has promised to us, but we went a route that he never called us to. And then we have collateral damage all along the way. Abraham knew he was supposed to have a son, slept with his slave girl, and out of that came a nation that created hardship for his future son. Moses is one who felt convinced that God had called him to be a deliverer of the people. Yet when he took it in his own hands and murdered, he found himself out of Egypt and wandering in the desert for 40 years. Only then did God activate him, waiting. 
There's the story of David. He is anointed king. You are the king. It's just not today. And the current king's going to try to kill you. Again and again. And you're going to have a chance, but you are to wait because that's God's anointed until you are fully in the spot. There's a waiting that takes place. You've got stories of prophets who say, return to the Lord. Don't lose heart. Don't lose your mindset. Stay captivated because a promised one is coming. And then 470 years of waiting. 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 New Testament also has waiting, doesn't it? Do not leave the place where you're gathered until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And we are waiting. And this is what Advent, Advent is associated with the preparation time before we celebrate Christmas. There's a preparation time known as Advent. And many of us go like, oh yeah, preparing and remembering that Jesus was born. Actually, Advent was created that we would prepare our hearts that he is coming again. It's a time of waiting. Our God is going to be faithful. He's a promise keeper. He's coming back. And so what I want to do is like, I want to let you know that because the middle is waiting, there are... There are opportunities and actually invitations to be a person that is set apart for the waiting. And in the Old Testament, if you remember Binge the Bible, you had Moses and they got out of Egypt, at which point they approached the promised land. And as they approached the promised land, they sent 12 spies in and they investigated the land. And they came back and they're like, oh, it is good. Like the food, everything, everything. And Caleb's like, aren't you grateful for God? That's allowed us to go in and just take charge and run towards it. But 10 spies rose up and said, yeah, but we are we people. We are the little folk. And they are giants. And they spread a bad report throughout all of the people. And what God did then was say, you will now not enter. And Caleb, along with Joshua, was identified as one who would still get in. And the Bible would declare three things about Caleb. We find this in Numbers chapter 14. My servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He's remained loyal to me, so I'm going to bring him into the land we explored. This is my servant Caleb, and this, this is just who he is. Now, I need you to get in the mindset, did Caleb do anything wrong? And according to the scripture, no. Was Caleb faithful? yes. But because of other people's choices, he had himself in a timeout. Some of you, you are frustrated with your season of middle because you're like, I'm doing it right. And God says, yeah, but I'm still creating and moving and reprimanding and working all things out. I just need to have you on pause for a moment. That's not fair. That's not right. That's the way it is. And Caleb's got three descriptors that I want to invite you into in your middle. The middle matters. What are you going to put in your middle? But then who you are in the middle, and there's three ideas. One of the things it said about Caleb was that he had a different attitude. There was a moxie to how Caleb walked with the Lord that was noticeable to God. His humble spirit, yet bold faith. His courage to believe that God is who God says he is. That was his attitude, which led to him being extremely loyal to the Lord. Come what may, God, I'm picking you. I saw what you did in Egypt. I saw what you did to Pharaoh. I saw what you did to Pharaoh's troops. I'm in on you. And all of this was captured that Caleb had 
what is known as a whole heart. His heart was whole. And one of the things that I have learned that have helped me in my attitude and being loyal, creating a heart that I would, for a lack of manly words, flourish. Like the goodness. It's interesting, in Scripture, you've got uh, what is known as the Ten Commandments. And this word commandments is also translated rules or trellis. Like, if you're not familiar with the trellises, if, if you have uh, 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 vegetables, a plute, a vin... Uh, plute? I don't even know what a plute is. Don't ignore that. That's a tired talk. Uh, fruit, um, vineyard, there we go. Uh, and, and a trellis is uh, like wood and stakes in the ground to help the plant attach and grow and become up above the ground and flourish. God's commandments are a trellis. They are not meant to press you down and be fun, hating and keep you from life. No, no, no. They're able to be boundaries that we can attach ourselves to to assure that we can climb and live the life God has called us to live. There is something that the enemy has done to twist our minds that God wants to just keep hardship on top of us. And really what it is, is it's the thing that we grow on. Without the boundaries, without the waiting, without the way, we will find ourselves in the mud. And so the middle matters. What are you putting inside you? And the middle is also waiting, waiting on the Lord, but waiting in a way that honors Him. Here's the third one. The middle is where the miracle happens. I, I just think about all of my favorite movies where you get introduced to the characters at the end and then at the end of the movie, you're like, awesome. None of that would matter without the middle. The tension is in the middle. The arc of the story, the pitfalls, successes. The, 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 the uh, tension's what holds the bridge up. It's all in the middle, and I want to tell you, God does his best work in the middle. We're aware of the beginnings, and we're aware of what's at the end, but like he's like, I'm doing my best work here and now and today. There's this story in Scripture that has just been so profound in my life, and it takes place in Acts chapter 16. And to get you up to speed, the Holy Spirit has descended on the people, and they are called to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Asheville. Ends of the earth. I would be more ends of the earth, wouldn't it? We sang I Speak Jesus earlier and shout Jesus in the mountains. I'm like, oh, feels so much more natural here. We should change our lyric to shout Jesus in the cornfields and soybeans, you know. You all got it pretty here. All right, I'm off track. That's all right. We can jump back in. So the Holy Spirit's come, and they are supposed to be witnesses in all places. And so what ends up happening is they start traveling. And Paul and Silas, they find themselves in this one city, and they're preaching. And people are listening, and people are challenging, and there's these conversations going on. But along the way is this young child, this young girl, who is a slave. 50% of the population at the time was slaves. There was different rankings of slaves, and her slavery was, there was a spirit that allowed her to be able to tell fortunes. So she's a fortune teller. So what she says is kind of seen 
as shaping the way things are. And she happens to just take notice of Paul and Silas who are preaching about the goodness of Jesus Christ, how he redeemed mankind from all of what has gone wrong. And she's following around and they're like, they work for the Most High. They serve the true Lord. They serve the true God. And she's just kind of following around. Now, I think part of our mind when we read this, we're like, oh, well, she was telling the truth. But like, can you imagine her just like having a little bit of a conniving to it? Like, they serve the, you know, and then... And Paul and Silas, this is going on day after day. And Paul, he had a, I had enough moment, you know, like I'll turn this car around kind of moment like this. And he just like, in the name of Jesus, be free. And the spirit comes off her. Well, her owner has been profiting quite a bit off of what her gift and talent and spirit and filling was that was counter to the Lord. And he is hot. And he has status and pull. And so what he does is he throws Paul and Silas in prison. Now, I want you to imagine, if you can, if you have ever been a person who's, I have loved the Lord. And I have done what he told me to do. And you find yourself in a bad spot. How does that make sense? I can, if I'm Paul, Paul, you're supposed to go and tell people about me. Okay. I'm telling people about you. I'm in prison. What went wrong here? Many of us are convinced that if we follow through with doing what God calls us to do, that we will not face hardship, we will not face trial. But that was never promised. The thing that was promised was hardship and trial. The reason why there's so many verses about what to do when you are persecuted is because you will be persecuted if you truly follow God. So here they are. They are in prison and they are they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, yet they're locked up. And this is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. In Acts 16, verse 25, it says, around, say this word, midnight. All right, I said it. Good. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were bemoaning and begrudging all of what God had been doing. No. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners are a captive audience. Literally. And we're listening. Then suddenly there's this earthquake and the prison was shaken and the foundation, I mean, like this is a worship set, people. Like, whoa, it just moves. And the doors flew open. The chains of every prisoner fall off. And at that time, the Roman soldier who's in charge of the prison, the prison gatekeeper, the, the Roman way is a life for a life. You lose a prisoner, it's your life. We lost them, we'll take you, that's fine. Shows up, the gates of the prison are open, and he's like, well, I've seen how they do it. It's pretty rough. I'm going to take care of this myself. At which point Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. It just got a little wild. We were just singing a little too loud. Honoring God in the midst of the hardship. Seeking him out. And the guard says, what do I got to do to be saved? What do I got to do? And he and his household come to be with the Lord. At midnight. Have you ever had a midnight moment? A moment where everything leading up to it was not looking great. Midnight. My daughter has, as I shared, just had a rough journey. And uh, one year and two days ago, 
we would make hour and a half drives and we were visiting with her and some people and they were saying, we have exhausted all of our resources to help your kid. We're outmatched and there's nothing else we can do for her here. And your options are go to California, Texas, maybe Florida. My wife and I, just so broken. On the way home, I start texting and calling and inviting people to gather that night at her church because I needed a miracle. Over 100 friends and family show up. Two hours of praying, loving God, worshiping, pleading, pleading. And it got done. And we went home. It's that midnight moment where did all we could do and we still pick him and we still choose him and the next day my wife gets a phone call from her daughter and she starts sharing things that have been blocked in her mind for oh so long and over the next couple of weeks, instead of the conversations moving to where we're going to move her to next, it moved to what if she moved back home? And this March, after 400 and some days of her not being home, she came home. And I'm telling you, something broke that night. I didn't know it when I went to bed. And I'm still in the middle. Please. I mean, she can't turn our car off at now, you know, like that. But there's, there's more. There's just more. And although we're in it, guess what I have seen? At midnight, a miracle happened. And I want that. For some of you, you showed up today. You're in the middle of your, your darkest day. And you're looking back and you're looking forward, but you are stuck in it here. I want to tell you, we want to pray for you. Romans 15 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, quit going to other remedies when there is a source of hope. And I'm not down on anything, medicine or counseling. I'm just saying, let's keep our hope anchored to Jesus Christ, who will fill you completely with joy, fill you completely with peace, because we trust in him. And as God starts to fill you with peace, Enjoy. Your hope is secure. God will overflow something into other people because you've got not just hope for you, you've got more than enough to share with others through the power of the Holy Spirit. My testimony is not one of perfection. It's one of God has been faithful so much that I just can't help and share all of what he has done in my life. The things that I have seen that he has done, I marvel. want that for you. So we have the middle matters. The middle's waiting. It's a miracle in the middle. The middle has options. You don't have to choose what God might be inviting you into. You can be passive and take a step back. Or you can be one of faith and take a step forward. You might need a season of healing. You might need a season of hope. But there's, there's options in the today. 
It's always been that way. All the way back in the garden, in Genesis, it says this. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. Trees that were beautiful and they had produced great fruit. And in the middle, in the middle of the garden, he placed two trees. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I think for us, we have these, these options available. Where I put both feet in who God is. In Christ Jesus poured out his life. We might know grace and forgiveness. Like, would I, would I be one who stands with him? Or will I question because of my realities? Sidestep because of my circumstances? Bow out because of what other people think of me? What I think for most of us is we find ourselves, we try to, we try to stay in both. But the middle's always moving. And so God's going one direction. And the world is pushing us another direction. And I used to be a power tumbler, national champion in gymnastics. This does not freak me out, all right? But how long is this going to stay comfortable? And it keeps going. And I'm worried that some of us, we are not making an option, and then we're wondering why we're hurting, confused, and dizzy. I'm telling you, today is a two-step day. Put both feet in the camp of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is who he says he is, and I can trust him. And there might be times where I step over here, and I'm like, no, Lord, keep me faithful. Keep me secure. I want in on you. So I want to pray for us. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to first just ask, What's the Holy Spirit stirring in you? What's he want to talk to you about? Might have nothing to do with what I said. He's got, he's got a whisper. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? For those who feel outmatched in the middle, those who feel like there's too much hanging on them that they cannot endure any longer on their own, I pray. I pray that you would see that God's desire has always been that you would have a spiritual family. Brothers and sisters, part of a church, who in your darkest days and hardest realities support you and love you. For those who have tremendous hurt, you're just in a place of hurt. May the Lord allow you to set that hurt in his hands. And I just got this picture of his nail-scarred hands have carried the hurt. And I'm not making light of whatever you've gone through, but you didn't. And don't miss that he sees it. 
and loves you. Some of you were stirred by my story with my daughter. You're sad. I pray the fight of faith inside of you. I pray the mind of Christ over you. Pray the words of the Lord would sure you up. Lies would be silenced. Truth would prevail. Oh, I pray hope for you. If there's any of you who say, I, I just haven't been all in on the Lord. Taking my eye off of what matters most. I, I just pray for you right now that there is a, a, just a, a, a posture of standing firm. Christ, I just want to remind myself and let my spirit speak it to you. I'm, I'm standing with you. Come what may, trials that be, I'm standing with you. So God, I pray grace over all of us, over all of the middles, all of the journeys, that you would come and overflow in powerful ways. In Jesus' holy name, amen.